0: We're seeing a lot of stories in the news right now about drug companies and manufacturers agreeing to settlements that would see them pay out billions of dollars as a result of the opioid epidemic and their role in it. But is the money enough? These companies, in most cases, don't even admit wrongdoing. And how is it no one ends up going to jail? We wanted to talk about all of this, so we caught up with Scott Burris. He is a professor of law at Temple Law School. Really important conversation. Give a listen. So just to be clear, because I think maybe some people hear the headlines and kind of glaze over, there was the Purdue Pharma settlement with the Sackler family. And then we have this more recent settlement, which includes Johnson and Johnson. uh, And they're I mean, they're the same thing, but they're separate. Am I correct?
1: There's been a whole range of suits and then groupings of cases and settlements. McKinsey, the consulting company, did a settlement for its role in marketing. We've got the whole Sackler um, piece going along with Mallinckrodt Chemical and a bunch of other companies. The big division now is between those settlements uh, negotiations that are in the bankruptcy court because they're associated with companies going bankrupt, like Purdue, and those that are not in the bankruptcy court in, that have been consolidated elsewhere, um, where um, the parties are free to negotiate uh, an agreement without the oversight of a bankruptcy judge.
0: And we're seeing some big numbers. I think it was $4.5 with the Sackler family, uh, one group $26.5 And it sounds like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money, but for the devastation these opioids have and are causing, is this justice?
1: Well, you know, it depends on how you look at the glass. Um, you know, companies are paying a lot of money. These these will easily be described as record settlements, the biggest that, you know, this attorney general has ever achieved for this state, and, you know, and so on and so forth. So there's real money here. This is not chump change. But... You know, we're living in a world where companies make a lot of money. And I think it's fair to say that all these companies can afford what they're paying. They're not going out of business. They're not shutting down. Um, they'll continue. To, in fact, their stock is going up for the most part when when they make these um, settlements. And a bunch of the companies that are in bankruptcy will come out in some reorganized form and continue to uh, make money again. So these aren't uh, death penalty cases for any business. At all. And, you know, I guess I guess one has to um, make their one's own choice about whether or not, you know, you that's enough um, or whether you want to see more suffering of one kind or another. Um, you know, we could, apart from settlements, have criminal um, investigations. I mean, at various times, there have been these little efforts to to find criminal liability or to, to 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 seek criminal liability against some of these companies and their executives. They've always kind of fizzled out for political or other reasons. Um, and and in these settlements, we are we're we're pretty much taking those off the table. So you know, we have to say that this money, for what it's worth, is what the victims and the cities are going to get. Um, And you're going to have to then decide whether that's enough or not. We have Larry Krasner in Philadelphia saying it's not enough. we got the attorney general in Washington saying it's not enough. Um, Maybe a few other states uh, will say no, and that may be enough to derail the settlement. Uh, But otherwise, you know, the majority of states and cities are going along with this more or less unhappily to get this immediate chunk of money.
0: And if and I think there are time frames in some cases, it's like, Uh, States have 30 days to decide whether they agree and some municipalities maybe a little longer. Uh, And if, say, state X doesn't agree, they are free to pursue their own case um, and they just don't get any cut of the settlement. Is that how it works?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, the settlement is contingent upon, I think, 48 states signing up. And some proportion of municipalities being covered. Otherwise, it's not a good deal for the defendants. You know, they're willing to pay this money if they get peace. Um, they'll keep going with a few cases, assuming that they can, you know, keep the numbers down on those or settle them later. But if too many uh, places say no, then this settlement will will fall apart.
0: Do you think because I think a lot of people maybe at first say, no, we're not going to agree. But then you dig into it, you see what's ahead. You can get this money now. Do you expect most of these to to go through or could it be a mixed bag?
1: Well, I suppose you can describe a good settlement as one in which nobody's happy. Um, You know, it's not enough. It's easy to say that and it's true to feel it, but it may be what you can get. And getting a big chunk of money that you can start to use right away and have coming in for a number of years is, you know, when you step back and think about it, you know better than a sharp stick in the eye, so we 'll have to see if this is enough money that 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 you 'll get a preponderance of the or pretty big majority of the of the plaintiffs deciding to settle or not, and if not, then you know we can expect i would think in another you know four to six months there 'll be a higher number um, i don 't think the companies want to fight these cases to the bitter end.
0: A big thing for these cases is the companies not admitting wrongdoing. Um, I just find—I don't know if counterintuitive is the word—but to admit no wrongdoing but write a check for billions of dollars, they don't seem to to mesh. How big is this that these companies won't admit wrongdoing?
1: You know, it it, it feels cynical to say you know that's how the system works the criminal ju- you know the civil justice system these days is you know built around confidentiality agreements and settlements without um you know admissions uh, and 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 you could say well that's just how it how it goes i i don't understand at some level as a human being and i don't understand as a lawyer exactly why companies making these settlements cannot um at least if they get pretty much everybody to sign on um, admit that they did something wrong. Um, I mean, it is true that some of them are worried that, you know, if they admit to to Josh Shapiro that they did wrong and Larry Krasner keeps suing them, Larry Krasner can use that admission against them. But frankly, there's no, I mean, everybody knows what they did. Um, <laughs> that's the issue. There's no secrets here. We know what they did. Um, if they call, if they like, you know, if they join the rest of us in saying that wasn't the right thing to do, I don't think it's going to change the outcome of cases. We know what they did and we know it was wrong.
0: One of the things that I find incredibly depressing and I look at this, I mean, they're different, but the same general concept as the financial crisis in 2009 a catastrophic system where people gamed the system, almost brought the whole economy down. Basically, nobody goes to jail. Here you have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people over many years that have been killed by these opioids that these companies produced, happily handed out. And not only is nobody going to jail, nobody's even admitting they did anything wrong. From a societal standpoint, how corrosive are these things where it seems like if the crime's big enough, you know, you write a check, say, sorry, dad's dead and move on. I mean, I don't mean to be crass, but that's what it feels like.
1: Well, do we look like a happy, cohesive society these days? I mean, I think we're seeing the results of this kind of behavior and policy all around us. Indeed, I think there's a a direct link um, Angus Deaton and Ann Case, the researchers at Princeton, Deaton's a Nobel Prize winner. They call opioid deaths, deaths of despair. Um, and they point to the, the incredibly rising income inequality and wealth inequality in this country. I mean, we have, you know, we have individuals who have their own space programs, but, you know, a huge chunk of the American population is, 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 can't even afford to rent. Um, you know, there's something wrong here. And this thing that happened wrong was not an accident. Uh, we've steadily lowered the tax burden on the rich uh, while not really doing much to help the middle class and poor people. We have continued to weaken labor and unions and other countervailing forces in the society so that workers are at the mercy of the Jeff Bezos of the world. Um, and we haven't really dealt very well with globalization so that so many places that used to be industrial centers are now just rust, rust centers. And that's where you see the deaths, um, as, as as Deaton and, and Case point out. And then when you see the global financial crisis where, you know, millions of people lost their jobs and lost their houses because of essentially financier chicanery and risk-taking, and the people who took the risks and caused the harm never paid, yeah, I think that's pretty pretty depressing. Um, I think here we are actually seeing the system sort of working in the sense that these people are paying. These companies are paying real money. The Sacklers are, you know, they're not going to lose their fortunes, but they're going to be out of business. Um, Maybe they should pay more and maybe it should be harder on them. Um, and I certainly would be, you know, unshocked and, un, and and I would not be sad to see criminal um, liability being attached to at least some of the people in this in this story. But on the other hand, they are paying billions, um, which is what happens when you sue people. They rarely go out of business. You know, they pay till it hurts, but not till it kills.
0: Why don't people? go to jail? Why don't we pursue? And when I say we, I mean, American society pursue criminal charges in situations like this. And, you know, the the banker. But if I was caught on the street trying to sell these pills, I would go to jail or I would at least get arrested. And so why aren't there criminal pursuits?
1: Well, that's that's an awful big question. Um, I mean, let's just talk about drug policy i mean we live in a truly mad world where the sacklers are not going to jail but people selling a few pills are going to jail for years um there's something seriously wrong with that and and that that superficial unfairness this that that you know the the in some sense the kingpins go free and the and the pawns go to jail um is actually you know compounded by the fact that you know, our, I mean, I hate to say it, but our entire drug policy is kind of an illusion. It's a farce. We had the, We've had the Controlled Substances Act in place with our modern form of drug control for more than 50 years. And in that entire 50 years, all the DEA agents and the state police and the local police, we have never actually been able to control the flow of illegal drugs of any kind in America. You know, you hear about all these big busts, but there's always more drugs. Nobody ever has a problem finding drug on the street. In fact, in all those years, the price of heroin, um, you know, adjusted for purity on the street has been going down. It's cheaper today to be a heroin user than it was fifty years ago. So we have this system that completely failed. And by the way, it failed on the prescription side, too. The DEA is supposed to know. And be tracking where all the opioid pills come from and where they end up, um, and it's supposed to actually have records that the rest of the world should be able to see. But you never can get access to them, and as far as we can tell, they're they're hopeless at actually tracking that. Which is, you know, another irony of the settlement. In this latest settlement, the major distributors have agreed that they'll set up their own system to transparently track where they're sending pills so that they can identify or others can identify, you know, where you might have a pharmacy that seems to be selling or a doctor that seems to be prescribing a huge number of pills. Um, so you can look and see if maybe that person is, is, is just dealing them. Um, that's the DEA's job. We're already supposed to have that system, but evidently the the, the official system is completely failing. So, you know, it, it it's just nuts. And that's just, you know, the, the drug control policy, Um, you know, the, the fact that financial crimes are treated more leniently than other. Now I I just want to give one little caution for my friends on the conservative side, Um, because it turns out that, you know, the biggest allies in the fight against criminal justice are, you know, left-leaning groups like the drug policy Alliance and right-side groups like the Cato Institute. Um, Cato always has programs you know, on the overuse of criminal law and white collar crime and the overcriminalization of America. So there are a lot of people who feel that, you know, although we see some high level malefactors get away, there's also too much criminalization of white collar crime.
0: Interesting. As far as drug policy, do, do these settlements, is this a chance, and I don't not hit reset, but to start to get the ship, turned in a better direction
1: no i think this is a band-aid this is patching the roof now again if you got a cut or leaking your roof band-aids and patches are good there's good to be done with this money but just for an example josh shapiro our attorney general in, in 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 pennsylvania is very happy to have gotten maybe this you know this 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 billion dollars for us um He's consistently opposed safe house and the idea of a safe injection site, you know, that would actually help prevent overdose deaths. And he's done it on the, you know, the old spurious grounds of, you know, encouraging drug use and all that kind of stuff. You know, I'd like to see this is an opportunity for him to say, yes, I'm serious about opioids. I want more treatment, but I also want more prevention. I'd like us to use some of this money to actually pay for safe injection sites in Pennsylvania. Right now, we're seeing a decline in child poverty because of the COVID related stuff, especially the the child tax credit that's going to temporarily be in place. And we're talking about a big infrastructure bill to put a lot of people to work, fixing roads and bridges. It's not as big as it should be, but it's, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. And, you know, that's really where we have to look. If we want a solution, we have to put Americans back to work building houses in neighborhoods of opportunity where their kids can actually go to a good school and where they can experience social mobility we have to make sure that that people um, you know have access to health care and that um, they have uh, you know enough money to pay the rent um, or that the rent is you know brought down enough by more housing construction that you know that the market will bear it we we can't treat you know op- ultimately opioid overdose is a symptom it's not it's not a disease the disease is as Ke- case and have talked about this this disastrous inequality lack of hope and and social conflict
0: do you think overall you know when you talk about the, you know these companies do feel some pain from paying the, this money do you think these companies learn and they're a little bit more responsible going forward or is it just looked at through the lens of, you know, well, we pay this money and maybe we don't go down this track again, but uh, we're just going to go about our business.
1: You know, that's not a matter, you know, companies don't have brains. You know, it's the people who run the companies and it's the culture that that, that starts at the top and then is, is fed through the, you know, through the entire bloodstream of the company. Um, and I just don't know um you you know it's sort of like well i mean sometimes i feel a little bit like you know the burglar's been caught and says i promise i'll never break into a house again and the next day they go and break into a store you know there's lots of new potential bad things for these companies to do um you know i i, I read a i read an op-ed today in the new york times by ben and jerry um, and one of the things they said really struck me. You know, they said, you know, we 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 think that business has a spiritual side. I, we believe we believe that we have to try and do good. And I think certainly what we want of companies in a, in, a, in a working capitalist society is that they don't just talk about increasing value for shareholders or increasing pay for CEOs. They talk about what the company's role is in making America a better place for people to live. Um, You know, I I don't think they do that out of fear. I think, you know, deterrence is not working. I think we have to really have uh, more of a sort of general social expectation that corporations will behave responsibly and think about, Social welfare as part of the package of concerns that they have when they go out into the
0: market. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.